What's up, wellness gang, and welcome back to another episode of Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast framed around creating the happiest and healthiest lives that we can create specifically related to female health. And although today's topic doesn't solely relate to female health, we've noticed this as a reoccurring topic among our clients at Embodied Wellness Co. We as humans are wise enough to have these internal cues that allow us to hone into whatever our bodies need at any given time. However, we are smart enough to be able to believe the falsehoods we tell ourselves, so long as it serves our self-interests. And oftentimes, our internal cues are actually justified by the physiological responses that have been altered by our diet, circadian rhythm, and mood. Today we'll talk about mindful eating, intuitive eating, the differences between them, how to integrate them into your daily practice, and so much more. To my right is my lovely co-host, Sarah Collins. Hi, everyone. And without further ado, let's get into it. Sarah, why don't you kick us off? So before we discuss what the difference between intuitive eating and mindful eating is, let's chat a little bit about how we got away from intuitive eating. So in theory, intuitive eating is very simple. When you're hungry, you eat. You eat the right foods in the right amounts. And when you're not hungry, you don't eat. So what's the issue? The issue is that as a society, we've come so far away from trusting our intuition and even understanding what intuition really is that we've relied on a lot of external sources to make decisions for us. So what does this mean? This means that in a diet culture, we rely on things like meal plans or macro tracking apps or other people to tell us what foods to eat and in what amount is right for our body. And we often ignore our hunger cues. So when we're hungry, we're like, oh, I don't know. Am I really that hungry? Should I really eat? And then when we're not hungry, we eat and we are inclined to eat by things such as emotions and hedonic eating and eating out of stress and all of these other factors that have taken us away from listening to our body's cues of what to eat and understanding what kind of foods make us feel good. And so this is where the issue with intuitive eating comes is that most of us don't even know how to listen to our body or understand the messages that our body is telling us. And so this is why it's very important to also practice mindful eating, which we'll discuss today in addition to intuitive eating and talk about a few strategies that can help us to come back to understanding our intuition and being able to tune into what our body is telling us. So if you'd like to tell us maybe a little bit about the definition of each and then we can discuss further. So I think we should just dig into each one, uh, the definitions first, and then kind of go off of each. So sticking to my trusty little notes here, um, to my knowledge, the first time that the concept of mindful eating was actually introduced into the public was around 1990 by John Kabat-Zinn in his best-selling book, The Full Catastrophe Living. The definition of mindful eating changes depending on who you're talking to, but for the most part, it's the simpler of the two concepts. Mindful eating is a process of paying attention and becoming consciously aware of the experience you're having with food. This can be considered a practice of mindfulness, of becoming aware of your food, tasting it, observing it, all without judgment. Intuitive eating is a little different, and it's a much broader concept that in many ways rejects the dieting mentality and enforces self-respect and bodily acceptance. To simplify, Intuitive eating involves mindful eating while taking note of your physical and emotional sensations experienced while eating, again, without judgment. It's all about the data. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to know that with whatever nutrition strategy you're approaching, so whether you are following a meal plan or you all are following macro targets, that we can still use mindful eating with these strategies. Whereas intuitive eating kind of moves away from uh, specific guidelines towards your eating and is really just a moment-to-moment process of listening and tuning into your body. So with mindful eating, it's this idea of mindfulness, which is a really big buzzword right now and everybody's hopping on the train. So what does it even mean to be mindful? Well, if you think about the experience of food, because food really is an experience, when we're sitting down to eat, more often than not, a lot of you listening to this probably don't actually sit down to your plate of food and take it in. We're often doing other things, maybe talking to our kids or scrolling on our phone, studying, working. And so we've taken this aspect of being present with our food and we have removed ourselves from that. So we are focused on other things while just happening to have food in front of us. And so this is also a big reason why we see so many issues like overeating or issues around food is because we've taken away the connection to food And we've kind of just made it something that we do. And so when we're not actually being mindful of the food that we're eating and being mindful of the fact that we are taking in food, we are more likely to overeat or feel less satisfied or have digestive issues as a result because we haven't actually connected with the full experience of taking in that food. And this is also really cool that there's a part of digestion, which is called your cephalic phase of digestion which is essentially preparing your body to take in that food. So this is like when you smell food and you start to salivate or when you see something really delicious and then you can kind of feel how that food feels in your body. So just by experiencing the food before we eat it or taking this time to be mindful, we actually prepare our body to digest that food properly. So we upregulate acids and enzymes and salivary amylase and get our body ready to take in that food. And so no matter what strategy you have with your eating, whether it's tracking macros, following a meal plan, maybe you're on a specific protocol like a SIBO protocol, you can still include this idea of mindfulness that allows you to connect back to the food that you're eating and to have a greater experience with that food, which will in turn leave you feeling more satisfied. And you know, to touch on a topic that we actually spoke about on our last podcast, being eating in a state of stress and how that can affect our mindfulness around food. One of our colleagues in the health space, Ben Greenfield, him and his family have a practice before they sit down for dinner where they sit down for five to 10 minutes and have a gratitude session or they maybe pray or Um, anything that actually brings their stress response down so that their digestion improves um, while they're eating their food anyway. Because once you're in a stress state, you can actually absorb nutrients better. And that's going to change your mindful response to the eating experience. I think a lot of the times the concept of mindful eating, intuitive eating is a little bit confusing to people. And the terms are often used interchangeably. However, they can be used together. The trick is actually not having distractions in all areas of your life to be able to sit down and have that mindful experience. Because nowadays, there's so many cues and little blips and bleeps going off in our environment that are taking us out of the mindful moment. So start even just with your food and notice the difference. Yeah, and then I think the main difference as well between mindful eating and intuitive eating is that intuitive eating would be to really listen to the physical cues of your body. So where this gets a little bit twisted is where are those physical cues coming from? Mm -hmm. Are these physical cues actually from 
my body, my cells, my biology wanting this food or have I become mindless in my eating habits, which is now affecting what I think might be my intuition. So a really great example of this is sugar. And I'll let Denon touch on this because oh. he loves <laughs> he loves to go get going on the sugar rant. If any of you picked up the sugar-free, dairy-free, and gluten-free um, ebook that we put out many, many months ago, it's not available anymore. However, um, I went on for multiple pages of writing about the history of the sugar and the science of it and the highly addictive nature of it. However, when we have sugar in our bodies frequently, even in smaller amounts of, say, uh, 10 to, well, I'd say 20 plus grams is, is very high. But for some people, um, that's not very high for them. For me, I think anything over about six, seven grams is, is normally high. But we will start to have a physiological response to that where our body then craves it. Our mind craves that sugar. Therefore, if I'm trying to have an intuitive or a mindful experience when eating food and to look at the cues that my bodies are giving it, if, if my body is saying, I'm hungry, and but my mind is saying, I also want, I need sweets, I need sugar, my body doesn't actually need that sugar. However, I'm having the physiological response from my brain saying, give me that. I'm addicted to it. Same thing with cocaine addicts. It's one of it's a very similar chemical response as far as your body saying, I want this. Yeah, and the food type we eat can actually affect our physiology. So let's continue on the example of sugar. So when I eat sugar, my gut becomes more inflamed. And when I have an inflamed gut, this can affect a nerve called our vagus nerve. And your vagus nerve is involved in your gut-brain connection. And so when the connection is... Um, the connection is lost or the messages get a little bit skewed because we have gut inflammation. My body will not process the volume of food, the types of nutrients, and it will actually tell my body to not absorb those nutrients. So when we have a well-functioning vagus nerve, my body takes the nutrients in and sends a signal that's like, great, you've got your nutrients, let's absorb these. But when my gut is inflamed from either food type or antibiotics, all of these other factors, it doesn't process the fact that I'm taking in these nutrients. So you can eat a meal and still feel like you need something else after. Oh, I need something sweet after my meal. Or you can be more likely to overeat because the food type that you've eaten before or overeating has caused an inflammation in your body that is actually affecting what you feel like might be your intuition, but is actually a physiological response. And so this is why... I strongly believe that not everybody is actually ready to move to intuitive eating. And where for many of us or most people, this might be the end goal, mindful eating with a couple other strategies might actually be what you need before moving into full-on intuitive eating. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, in theory, intuitive eating is really simple. But because of the way that we've been raised, the habits we formed, the physiological changes we've made due to our food decisions, a lot of us actually aren't ready for intuitive eating because we don't understand what our intuition really is. And another thing that plays a role into this is the ability to actually listen to your body and to understand the messages it's giving. So this is where having a mindfulness practice outside of nutrition can also be really useful. So something like meditation that allows you to sit there and be present with your emotions and actually check in with how you're feeling. Because if you aren't able to check in with how you're feeling, how do you expect yourself to be able to make aligned decisions out of your intuition? 
Yeah, so just to make sure nobody's getting confused of, between mindful and intuitive eating from the first definitions, I'm going to give it to you one more time. Uh, so mindful eating is the process of paying attention and becoming consciously aware of the experience you're having with your food. This can be considered a practice of mindfulness, becoming aware of your food, tasting it, observing it, all without judgment. Whereas intuitive eating is, to simplify, involves mindful eating while taking note of the phys physical and emotional sensations experienced while eating, again, without judgment. So the difference there is intuitive eating would be the difference of being knowing when to stop, for example, or knowing I need to eat now, so I'm actually going to make the action of doing it. Whereas mindful eating is more so experiencing the moment of eating. So just briefly pulling back to this idea of sugar and the fact that your food choices can change your physiology, we didn't say this so that you should be scared or not trust yourself. This is just more to understand that in addition to what you might feel as your intuition or to you being mindful, we also need to use our education and a little bit of common sense in our choices. So when you have this craving or this urge to eat something and you might feel like it's your body wanting that thing, it's important to ask ourselves, is this something that my body actually needs or is this something that I want? And a lot of the times when we apply basic education around nutrition, we can come to a more aligned choice. Like maybe my body doesn't actually need to eat that caramel bar. And this is more something that is a craving because of my past experiences. And so not to oversimplify it, but understanding where these cravings are coming from is really important and education and mindfulness together can be a really useful way to kind of guide you back to that. And so in addition to education and being mindful around your food choices, there are a couple other guiding principles that can be applied with shifting towards intuitive eating as well. So before I go into the notes uh, that I've got here from Tracy Talca, who introduced the intuitive eating assessment scale and 10 principles for intuitive eating back in 2006, the intuitive eating concept doesn't only apply to sugar. That's just one of the concepts we brought up. This also uh, refers to hyper palatable foods, for example. I have cravings, not for sugar, but for example, for the soft taste of bread. It's not, it's not even the taste. I just love the feeling of it in my mouth. I have been keto for four months now, but I still think about the texture and the taste of a flaky piece of bread. And for me, that's not something my body wants. I'm purely just craving it over the years and years and years of that being pushed into me from whether that be media or the fact that my gym is right next to a cob bread. My brain wants that because it knows that's an addictive sensation. And the entire food industry has put billions of dollars into creating hyper palatable foods so that we crave them. So it's not only sugar. That's one of the big things in the billion dollar uh, industry and all the research they put into it, but also the hyper palatability of foods. So in general, also eating a more of a paleoethic style of eating. So raw foods, um, you obviously cooked, but still things that have not been processed overly by man that is usually going to lead to you having a better experience being an intuitive eater. But to get back to these three tips that you can use, number one, eating food for physical reasons rather than emotional reasons. And that also goes into exactly what I was talking about, about that flaky piece of bread. Mm, delicious. <laughs> number two, relying on your internal hunger and satiety cues. Number three, giving yourself unconditional permission to eat 
food. And I think this is a very, very tough one, especially for people who have been indoctrinated into a diet lifestyle for so long. Giving yourself permission to eat when you are actually hungry and not in some sort of a severe caloric restriction is very difficult. Yeah, and on the flip side of this, giving yourself permission to eat doesn't mean eating foods just because you can. Just because you can do something and you have permission to do it doesn't mean that it's the best and most aligned choice for you. So this is, again, we need to bring that idea of mindfulness back into the picture because giving yourself permission to eat foods and eating Kit Kats every single day, all day, just because you can are two completely different things. And so without mindfulness, there is no intuitive eating. And we need to really understand all of the factors that play a role in what our body might be telling us and all of the factors that our mind might be telling us as well when making food choices that are in alignment with our intuition. Absolutely. Like you can have a chocolate bar before you go to the gym, but that's something you want. It's not a physiological need. There's a lot of ways to fuel your workout. However, putting something into your body that is also full of chemicals, sweeteners, colors, and every other thing that we don't need, that is a justification for something. You don't need this. So now that we've established a pretty good understanding of what intuitive eating is, what mindful eating is, and the differences between the two, let's discuss a few strategies of how you can start to become more mindful around your food choices moving forward. So the first one would be eating while not distracted. So this is sitting down to actually enjoy your meal without your phone, without kids running around. I know that's not always possible, but actually taking this time to be more mindful with your food just by eliminating all distractions. This is hard. Like I know it sounds so simple that step one is to just put your phone away when you have a meal, but you're going to begin to notice if you begin applying this into your structure today, into your daily practice today, going down to sit uh, and eating your first meal, you'll begin to notice, wow, I didn't realize how many meals I was actually just mindlessly scrolling through Instagram while munching away at my food, shoveling it down my gullet and liking a couple photos. When I started to first apply this into my daily life, I felt the pull of my brain wanting to go back to the addictiveness of having my phone there all the time. So don't take this for granted. It's a hard first step. And the second one would be to be mindful of how food makes you feel. So whether this is starting a food journal or just checking in with yourself, this idea that food can change the way that you feel either right away or in a few hours helps us to make more aligned choices. So when I eat something, if I start feeling low energy or I have digestive issues or I just generally feel crappy a little while later, checking in with the fact that what I ate didn't make me feel my best can help me to make more aligned choices next time. Say when that food is an option, I might veer towards something else that makes me feel better. And also noticing in the times that you have abundant energy, you feel like your brain is functioning really well, or you just feel generally really great, noticing what kind of foods you were eating that might have made those changes for you. And so again, connecting back to this mindfulness of how does this food make me feel and asking yourself, how do I want to feel when I'm eating this food? And then the second part of that is eating in the right amount. So knowing that it takes about 20 minutes for our gut to send a signal to our brain that we're full. So if you eat food and then you're looking for seconds or looking for snacks, can I wait 20 minutes and see how I feel after that? Or am I eating to the point where I feel overly stuffed? Maybe next time then I know not to eat as much. So 
Tuning into how food makes you feel both in food type and in food amount can help us to become more mindful and actually understand the effect that food has on us both mentally, mentally and physically. A little side note on that. Um, oftentimes when you're feeling hungry, first ask yourself, when is the last time I drank some water? Because a lot of, what people don't realize is the hypothalamus gland controls both our hunger and thirst cravings. And I get caught for this all the time. Sarah laughs at me because I'm terrible for at nighttime. <laughs> I just start guzzling water because I get so in tune in my flow state throughout the day. I just forget to drink water, but it's no problem to get a steak or two in. <laughs> but ask yourself first, am I thirsty? Because that will oftentimes be the trick to actually get you over the hump for another couple hours because you're not really quite hungry. This can help with... Um, adjusting your calories and, and your eating throughout the day as well. But let's get to point number three. So point number three is around social events because it's more simple to focus on mindful eating and focus on these tasks when we're by ourselves, and there's not really anything else happening. But this can all kind of go away when we're out at social events or times like over the holidays where we almost use the fact that we're out or the fact that it's a holiday to eat foods that we might not even really want. So I'm guilty for this too, where there's a bunch of cookies out or all of these foods and you eat them and you aren't even really enjoying them, but you're eating them just because it's the holidays or you're eating until you feel stuffed because you feel like you have to eat every single thing that's in front of you. And so with going out to events or with holidays, being mindful before you actually head to that event. So asking yourself, how do I want to show up when food is in front of me? And the second part is, how do I want to feel after the event? And so when you go in with an action plan and you are able to have that mindfulness when you are by yourself, before you put yourself in the emotional, in the social setting, this can help us to make more aligned choices when we're actually in that setting. So going in with a game plan, this could even be for your day of eating or when you're heading to an event of how you want to feel and how you want to show up when food is around you. Yeah, it's kind of tough right now, especially in this whole COVID situation. There may be less social events, but the same thing applies to before you even open the fridge door, you might have some goodies in there that you stashed away and you know they're in there. But if you can prepare yourself before you even, even open that refrigerator door and going, what am I feeling right now? What do I actually need when I open this? Or are you going to get distracted by those muffins you made two days ago there at the back right next to the frosting? Because you know I might be too. But if you can prepare yourself beforehand, you are setting yourself up for success. And then the last tip moving forward is to create some sort of a mindful practice that's away from food if you are struggling with food-related issues or maybe a binge and restrict cycle, all of these other things that affect our relationship with food. Taking yourself out of the situation of food and starting to become more mindful of how you actually feel and finding ways to manage and deal with and be present with your emotions that are not turning towards food. So there's a lot of people nowadays who are emotional eaters or hedonic eaters where we eat because we're feeling something. And so if you can take yourself out of the situation of food and do say five, 10 minutes of meditation a day or journaling where you're becoming present with how you feel and finding other ways to manage those emotions and to deal with them and to understand them that aren't food related, this is going to translate really well into your relationship with food as well. So again, briefly to just touch on all the points, number one was to limit distractions while you're eating, put your phone away, try to just sit down with your food. Number two is to tune into how foods make you feel and what foods don't make you feel your best. 
Number three is to create an action plan or ask yourself how you want to show up around food and what you really need. And then the fourth one would be to include a mindfulness practice that is removed away from nutrition. I love it. So I think we can pretty much wrap that up today. That was a lot of information condensed into a short podcast, but we hope you found something useful in that and we will see you in the next episode. If you're looking for any notes on this podcast, please visit www.embodiedwellnessco.com slash blog slash mindful eating. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.